Hey there, welcome to Broadcast to Post. I'm Jeff Sengpil, CTO at Keycode Media. This is the show where we interview leaders and experts in the AV, broadcast, and post-production spaces. We're giving you the inside tips to grow your media workflows and business today. Hey, my name is Tyler Purcell here with Broadcast to Post. Business, schools, and government infrastructure planners are researching audio-visual upgrade projects for the new year. Whether it's building an entirely new building or refreshing technology for conference rooms, classrooms, and meeting spaces, in this video we aim to give you the information you need to decide what equipment you'll need, how to budget, and install everything successfully. All right, we're going to kick this video off with top new trends in AV segment covering trending technology, including hybrid meeting spaces, auto-tracking cameras, interactive displays, UC control, LED walls, and voting systems. Later, we're bringing on our Keycode Media panel of engineers to the podcast to review AV equipment strategy. I have so much respect for these guys, man. They are out there on the front lines with customers actually listening to their needs and figuring out the design and install components for AV projects. They typically battle test manufacturer equipment and can be very honest about what works and what doesn't. Our panel of experts will provide insight into AV products that work and the essential information your team needs to get that next AV design and install off the ground. Stick around at the end for a live Q&A. Let's get to the top trends we are seeing with AV. First on the list, hybrid high-flex meeting spaces. In businesses, government, and schools, meetings are often the backbone to getting things done. It's expected that 81% of all meetings will be hybrid in the near future. Now that both remote and in-office workers have joined the conversation, our meetings look different, and so should our meeting spaces. So what is hybrid? Well, hybrid is getting people to communicate, whether in the office or at home, on a device. Connecting audio, camera, shared screen, making the experience and interactions the same regardless of location. There's also high flex which is less of a specific feature and more of a strategy people take towards hybrid. The key word is flexibility or choice of the meeting attendee. HyFlex is providing technology solutions within a meeting space. So in-person and remote meeting attendees have the same ability to participate. For example, in a school setting, each class session and learning activity is offered in-person and synchronously online. Students can decide how to participate. To be high flex often means it goes beyond just sharing video and audio, but also virtual whiteboards, huddle rooms, and other elements that may be useful in a meeting space. So why would people need to use hybrid or high flex setups? Well, for starters, schools. Hybrid classrooms can help with low enrollment issues. Your school can offer students the ability to join remotely and have an in-classroom experience. In a business setting, for general workforce able to fully collaborate regardless of office location, or if you have staff working from home. Hybrid rooms often replace a portion of traditional face-to-face -face instruction with online activities, such as videos, lectures, online discussions, or projects. Blended learning combines in-person classes and interaction with supplemental online educational elements. Online learning materials aren't intended to replace face-to-face -face class time, unlike hybrid courses, but instead materials are designed to build upon what was covered in class. Hybrid flexible or high flex courses integrate face-to-face -face classes with an online learning experience. High flex courses differ from hybrid and blended courses in that students are given the choice to attend class in person or via video conferencing software such as Zoom. Students can switch back and forth throughout the semester. Next up, auto tracking PTZ camera for meeting spaces is also a brand new 
and pretty cool hot trend especially when we're talking about improving that hybrid media experience for staff or attendees at home. So let's talk about auto-tracking cameras. The idea is to eliminate the need for an in-meeting operator to run the camera. No IT person necessary. The easiest example of this is in a classroom. The teacher can hit the record button and just focus on the teaching. The camera can then follow the instructors as they move around the space. This also gives an IT person their time back since they don't need to be constantly monitoring the operations within a meeting. There are two main types of auto-tracking features we see today. Some cameras have both actually. Auto-tracking and auto-framing. Auto-framing is the method used to keep the primary subject of a video in focus at the center of the shoot. Auto-tracking is the actual locking in on a subject. There are two methods of tracking. Some use audio while others use motion-based tracking. Each have their positive and negatives. Motion tracking can be great when you have a single presenter in front of a room. However, if you have a lot of people moving around the area of the image, motion sensors can get confused and start to fail. Audio tracking is fantastic within a conference room. However, as of today, it requires multiple products integrated together and it's a tad bit more expensive. Caveats aside, using audio tracking is by far the best auto-tracking solution for meeting rooms. Here's how it works. A program will create preset sound zone locations within a room. When audio in that zone starts to go longer for let's say two seconds, you can program that camera to zoom in on the speaker's location. It's very cool when you see it and the customers we've done this for are raving about it. Like everything, there are some caveats. The PTZ camera needs to stay in a locked off location. If anyone physically moves the camera, it would need to be reprogrammed. Also, you really do need a good ceiling microphone in the room to accurately identify zones within space. Overall though, auto-tracking PTZ cameras make hybrid meeting spaces more engaging. It's way more interesting experience than the boring traditional locked off static camera. Now let's talk about interactive displays. The traditional whiteboard is dead. They're gone. Interactive displays like the award-winning ClearTouch have been with us for a while, but They've just become so much better over the years that it's time to seriously consider getting. Think of it as a giant touchscreen computer in your meeting space with a whiteboard built on top of it. It's great when you're teaching software as you can both teach the interface of that software while simultaneously zooming in and out using a digital highlighter or markers to make notes. There's a digital keyboard so you can type. You can load up documents, PDFs, PowerPoints, you name it. It's really a game changer for meetings in classrooms. They also work as interactive monitors. You can just as easily bring your own device like a Mac using AirPlay or connect via HDMI and have full control over your computer using this giant touchscreen display. These interactive displays can directly connect to your hybrid HyFlex setup via Zoom, Microsoft Teams, Google Meets, or other platforms, making it interactive for both attendees at home and in the meeting space. The App Store is fantastic. Everything from Zoom to Google Docs to Canvas have a built-in app. For your IT teams, there is also a campus-wide control feature that allows administrators to turn on and off devices as well as broadcast campus-wide messages if there was an emergency on campus. All right, guys, next up, video walls. LED wall prices are getting more affordable. They're getting a little easier to deploy, maintain, and use. We're starting to see a lot of lobby spaces in large conference rooms start to move away from monitors and into high resolution LED displays. But there's some things you need to know about LED. First, pixel pitch. LED walls have something called pixel pitch, which is the space between each pixel on the wall. The lower the pixel pitch, the higher the resolution of the screen. Depending on how far away your subject is from the wall, you may need a smaller pixel pitch, otherwise people will start to see the lines between the pixels. You'll also need to decide if your wall is permanent 
or it needs to be mobile. There are different tile types depending on if that wall needs to be built once or needs to be moved from location to location. There are also indoor and outdoor considerations with some LED tiles that are built to be weather resistant. The brightness on the LED can sometimes be really bright. Sometimes that's great. However, if you're recording a meeting, it can also cause silhouetting on the speakers in the space. You will likely need to pre-configure the brightness on the wall depending on your application. Air conditioning should also be considered. LED walls and the processing server can put off a lot of heat. The HVAC requirements of the space is an important one to not skip. Now, let's talk about unified communications control. Unified communication is not really a single product. It's the connecting of multiple solutions together. Voice call, conference room control, messaging, to name a few. It's the brain of your conference room or meeting space. It has to be simple to use and completely dummy-proof. Research from Barco shows 50% of employees have trouble connecting to the display and only 26% find it easy to connect to cameras and speak. Also, on average, people use six different web conferencing solutions to meet with others virtually. You need to make sure that your UC systems are compatible with core tools like Zoom or Microsoft Teams. The system needs to be agnostic and ready for anything. That also means your UC system should be plug and play with HDMI cable, DisplayPort, AirPlay, or Googlecast. All the microphones, cameras, and other input devices need to be neatly configured, which takes time, design, and execution. The touchscreen control panel also needs to be simple to use. Having a programmer like we do here at KeyCode creates a simple UI so people can just walk in and quickly start the meeting. To add a cherry on top, touchscreen room scheduling completes the package. These scheduled devices connect to Outlook or Google Calendar. Everyone knows the room's availability, whether you're in person or checking in on a shared calendar. The panel also lets you schedule a meeting on the fly. There is a gotcha though. With the current chip shortage and supply chain issues, a lot of the hardware required for UC systems are on back order. Some product lines are six to eight months on back order right now. Having a first, second, or third option may save you a few months, or if you're patient, just keep in mind that it may be a while before that meeting space is fully up and running. All right, guys, last trend, AV over IP. It stands for Audiovisual Over Internet Protocol. Essentially, it's the transmission of audiovisual data over a network such as LAN or the internet. As opposed to traditional AV environments, AV over IP refers to the use of standard networking equipment to transmit and switch video and audio, like an ethernet cable. There are so many applications for AV over IP, it's an overwhelming task to try to explain it all in just one video. So I'll stick to a few examples and keep in mind there are a lot more than a few applications we might miss. For starters, when all of your AV equipment is connected to a network, it can be controlled from anywhere. That means your IT department can remotely turn devices on and off or make modifications without being in that space. Similar to the example we gave earlier with controlling interactive displays across an entire campus. AV over IP also makes meeting management a lot easier. For example, for a city council meeting, a clerk can pre-upload the agenda meeting document, PowerPoints, images, and minutes to every council member's computer or tablet. That same administrator can play out the meeting slides to displays networked throughout a building. Things get really flexible and interesting when you have multiple meeting spaces in a building. Let's just say there's an important city council meeting and you just can't fit everyone in the room. You could pre-configure overflow rooms and conference rooms in a building so that more people can attend the meeting. That also includes using microphones and cameras in the overflow rooms to take comments from attendees that are not physically in the same space. Continuing with the government example, 
AV over IP also allows voting systems to connect with other devices. So you could have votes added directly to the meeting's minutes or display within a local television broadcast. One of Keycode Media's government customers has connected their fire department, LAPD, and EOC building located across their city. They can send and receive audio video feeds from any building across the city. Hopefully this gave you some basic information about trending AV solutions in the business and government space. If you'd like to get deeper on any specific AV products or need consulting on a turnkey solution, please contact Keycode Media. We are here joined by our excellent AV design team at Keycode Video, Marlo, Marco, and Crystal. Thanks for coming, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, Thank you thanks for having, having us. us. <laughs> if everyone's watching this live has questions, please submit the questions in, in the chat, and we'll answer them in a few. So um, obviously, Keycode Media is out there installing and supporting a variety of AV systems across the U.S., typically addressing AV solutions for an entire building, sometimes with multiple classrooms, conference rooms, and government rooms. That's the perspective that we're getting today. So let's start by uh, breaking down the trends we've seen on AV installs and how they impact infrastructure planners approach to uh, future projects. Welcome to our panel. So um, the first thing we're gonna do is talk of course about our hybrid meeting spaces. And um, why, don't we, uh, why don't we start with you, Marlo? And why don't we talk about uh, what people are doing in classrooms, conference rooms and government spaces in terms of tech. Well, right now, um, what's what's happening is they want to get more of a like a hybrid feel to where, you know, you have some people in the office or classrooms and some people uh, remote from their houses. So when it comes to what tech pieces go to what space um, to make the hybrid like a like a better a, a good experience meeting experience, it all starts with the space, right? Um, we need to know and understand what the needs are, uh, whether it be, you know, camera placements, uh, positioning of the equipment where the AV rack's going, going to be, what server you, you'll be using, either Zooms or Teams and speaker placements, you know, um, microphones and, you know, what type of computer you'll be using. So all these things and even dimensions of the room and the space and all these, um, you know, come together so we can provide a better, a, you know, the best solution possible. So, yeah. Any follow-up, guys? Okay. So, um, here's another question for you guys. Um, what do facility planners need to keep in mind when planning hybrid spaces in terms of IT considerations? Uh, obviously, IT is a big deal because clearly you're going to have to change quite a bit of the infrastructure to deal with this stuff. So, um, why don't we pass it on to uh, Crystal? Well, definitely at this point, when you're deploying any IV uh, um, technology in any uh, AV space, IT becomes your very best friend um, because you are going to be 
sending technology down their network path. So you want to make sure that you have really good relations with uh, any IT department that you will be installing in. Uh, and then, you know, have a very clear conversation with the IT guys, making sure that they're aware of what type of signals you'll be introducing into their network. Uh, the question about VLAN comes to mind. Also, just whether your network for your AV system will be isolated or it will be intermingled with their uh, overall corporate network. So those are the kind of things to consider to make sure that um, everything plays nice together. And of course, IT is not the only thing we're dealing with here. We also have to do with power. That's kind of Marco's specialty. So Marco, <laughs> talk to us a little bit about the power and the electrical situations. And of course, running these cables compared to other installations. I think it's important to consider um, the location, uh, discovery of cable paths, um, structures on the wall to determine whether you're going to be able to run cables through the walls or they're going to be surface mounted. Uh, it's also important to assess any structural um, piece on the wall that is going to be supporting large displays, be it uh, interactive displays or uh, just uh, a wall, uh, a lead wall panel, or uh, just large displays. Um, it's also important to have electrical outlets uh, where you're going to need them, such as uh, projector, projector screen, cameras, etc. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so one thing, of course, is that we're going to talk about in this in this video is going to be about um, kind of management of these new tools. And um, I know Marlo, um, you know, we've been talking about, about um, uh, Crestron and how it plays into this whole thing. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, I, I don't know if everybody is aware of the announcement of Crestron partnering up with One Beyond, uh, which is actually is, is pretty neat. Because um, their their te they, you know their technology is always improving, but especially their cameras. Um, one of the things that you know that pr provides a a a good experience is how the cameras operate. Right? They have this thing called speaker tracking, which focuses on which the camera focuses on and frames whoever is speaking, and which in turn follows them as they move. Right, as the you know, as as they move, and so the ability to connect to uh, the speaker, right, for everyone who's listening remotely, it allows for more a engaging experience, right? And also, there's another for another you know feature for that one beyond camera. It's called group framing, which I, I think it's pretty pretty insanely cool um, because as people enter into the picture the fr the group framing feature allows it to automatically adjust the camera to either pan tilt and zoom so everyone in the room is perfectly framed inside the camera so i, wow. I think that's pretty cool <laughs> that is really cool um and and what about zoom rooms ndi uh when it comes to uh, that I will lead on to our specialist, uh, Crystal Velasco. <laughs> Crystal, it's all you. Well, yeah, definitely. So one of the things that um, NDI has really brought in is the ability to be able to send video over a network. And, you know, 
network cat six cables are something that's almost always present in any kind of conferencing space or huddle spaces because that's just part of the technology that's uh deployed in these uh in these rooms you'll always have a network cable there and so ndi utilizes that infrastructure to be able to send video over over the ip stream and so you're not having to rerun new cables just to be able to set up cameras or or uh or microphone audio um all of it is over ip so what what that brings in is a Simplicity of use, being able to connect conference rooms to um, to the network to be able to broadcast or to send video uh, over over a, a stream or even like this, like a production where you're having to connect multiple locations into one cohesive production space. So, gotcha. And and staying with you just for one more second because I do want to talk about how we're dealing with microphones in these spaces, because it's a very important subject. And yes. I know you're the expert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is nothing like bad audio to distract people from any kind of idea exchange or meetings. So microphone is a very important subject. Um, one thing in like hybrid spaces, like for example, in a meeting space or in a classroom, uh, there's typically just not one speaker, one main host, right? There's going to be some interactions where you've got people giving in their inputs on uh, a subject matter or even in a classroom where an instructor is uh, having a conversation with other students and they're exchanging ideas and sharing answers. And a microphone, especially how it's placed, how it's used is very important. Because those are the kind of things that will allow your far end participants to feel like they are part of the meeting, part of the conversation. So ceiling array microphones, uh, pendant microphones, those are really good uh, tools to use to be able to capture the overall audio in any given space. So like, for example, in our conference room in Burbank, we uh, utilize a ceiling microphone that allows for all the participants in that room to be heard in the far end um, so that anybody that's joining remotely due to, you know, any kind of code restrictions or anything like that, they feel like, oh, okay, I'm in this meeting because I can hear so-and-so comment about what was just said. So sure. those becomes very important. Sure. Absolutely. All right. Great. So let's move on to our second topic here today, which is going to be a little more specific. And it's going to be directly about uh, AV over IP. So we're seeing a lot of different protocols bleeding into the into this into this, into the space. Obviously, there's NDI, there's IPMX, there's Dante for audio. Um, how are these protocols, and how is this system simplifying the design of AV infrastructure for facilities? Um, obviously a lot of cabling, right? Because there's a lot less cabling required for this. But um, I want to hear from you guys uh, on the ground level, what you guys are feeling about this. And we'll start with Marco, because he's the cabling guy. And uh, tell me a little bit about what you think in terms of the cabling aspects of these new protocols. Well, it's definitely simpler, uh, cleaner. Um, you don't need uh, big spaces or big trays as it was uh, done in the past. Uh, for instance, we did the audio for um, a client where we transformed everything from analog to Dante. So now you're just running ethernet lines into the rooms and then you do your in the room distribution uh, going analog. So it's definitely cleaner, uh, 
and cost effective as well. Sure, sure. Are there any are there any gotchas with the installation? Copper versus fiber. What have you What have you seen in terms of in terms of that? Uh, Marco, fiber will give yeah. you more flexibility, more bandwidth, uh, okay. but at the same time, it's more delicate to be treated. Um, so there's there's a competition going on with uh, between copper and fiber. I would say that fiber would be used more for the long runs, and then you go into copper. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, now, of course, like we talked about earlier in initial, initial statement, um, one of the biggest things, of course, is the IT infrastructure, right? Because you're not going to just throw this in your network, right? This is going to be something that's going to be a little more isolated. Um, one of my specialties is IT. So this subject I love talking about because it is, uh, it's going to be different infrastructure um, than, than what you're going to normally use. Faster switches. Um, we're going to have definitely a little bit more infrastructure. It's going to have to be a lot faster as well. So. Um, who wants to pick up the subject about the IT side of things? Um, is that Mark? Is, is that going to be um, Marlo? Um, well, uh, I would hand it off to Crystal because oh, Crystal. I know he has a, a beautiful experience <laughs> with that. All right, Crystal, take it. <laughs> well, I mean, definitely uh, IT um, planning is a very important part of AV spaces, right? Because um, you need to be able to be aware of how much traffic you're introducing to any given network. So typically when we do installs, um, the design is always an island because of just the amount of bandwidth that we will use in a given network when we're sending video and audio together. Uh, typically you'll have a control VLAN and uh, your video VLAN and your audio VLAN just to keep everything kind of managed properly. Um, there are some facilities where you'll get into where they would need to be able to introduce it into a much larger network. And that's really the important conversation that you'll need to have with your IT. And that's where VLANs really come into importance because then you can traverse switches without having to make your bandwidth coincide with their mail server or anything else. Um, perfect example, we had a uh, install where the IT um, conversation wasn't as clear, and we ended. Uh, there was a, an issue where we were spilling over our traffic over to their regular network, and it, it took some of their networks down because of that. So, so that IT conversation has to be prioritized prior to deployment. You need to let their IT department know, like how much traffic you're putting in, how much IP devices you'll have on the network just so that they are aware and they can prepare properly for it. Uh, for design, we're usually, we'll go with our own um, recommended switches, but sometimes some, uh, some uh, clients will say, no, 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 we provide our own switches. We're a Cisco house or we're a Netgear house, or, you know, we do all this stuff. So, so that, that back and forth communication with IT becomes very, very uh, important and essential. Okay, great. <clears throat> what up? So, so AV, the video side of things. What about the audio side of things? What about Dante and stuff like that? Um, what are the differences? Are we separating them on different switches? What is your feeling on that? Yeah, we we tend to de definitely uh, separate that. Uh, definitely, video tends to have more uh, of a bandwidth uh, um, hog as far as network space goes. So. 
just to kind of keep it clean, we'll, we'll create separate VLANs between audio and video, and then able to marry them at some point through a bridge, just so that we're we're making sure that the traffic is is coming in clean and there's no there's no interruptions. When right. last thing you want is you want video dropping because you've got other things in the network. So sure. Sure. Yeah. And, and like we talked about earlier, uh, management too is going to be separate as well. Yes. And that, that's where, that's where, you know, you very, you, you much, uh, you have that conversation with it. They'll want to know how to monitor what the traffic is looking like. So you, you want to use the tools that are available. Uh, I know uh, different manufacturers have uh, definitely different tools available for like, for example, NDI has a, 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 a a suite of tools to be able to just monitor the stream, monitor the bandwidth that's being used. Uh, I believe Audinate has some of those things with uh, with their Dante controller that is able to tell you like how much traffic it's putting out on the network. Gotcha. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> so this is so. Um, I guess I guess the next question is kind of whether or not you see this coming to the classroom versus is this going to be more of a government business thing? I I, I kind of see this coming to the classroom in the near future just because of cost, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, a lot uh, a lot of the clients that we've uh, we've worked with, one of the things that they are trying to mitigate is that there's been. Ever since COVID happened, there's a there's still a little, little, little bit of hesitation for people to be in person on a lot of the the, the, the schools. So just to be able to um, still provide the the content or the education that people are needing, hybrid spaces have become a norm for a lot of uh, campuses. It allows them to have um, a regular class with in-person participants. But then it doesn't limit for the people that, you know, aren't just comfortable yet to be in person with other people. So then it opens up um, that availability for where you have foreign students who are just like dialing into the classroom and still be engaged with the professor and still be able to get the academic uh, requirements to, to get that class or to be able to meet the requirements for their, you know, education. Gotcha. On this subject, we got a question that just came in. I just want to answer it really quickly here. Um, what is IPIMX or IPIMX? IPMX is a new standard that is um, that's coming around. That's uh, they're trying to. It's basically AV over IP, so just similar to like NDI or uh, um, Dante audio video. So it's it's fairly new. Um, we haven't, I haven't really seen much uh, implementation of it yet, but it'll be interesting to see how, how, uh, how well accepted it will be in the industry. Cool. Very cool. Okay. Next subject. Going to start from scratch here. Going to talk about <laughs> LED walls. So obviously we've seen a, a, um, LED walls grow, right? And there's a lot of applications for LED walls from, you know, signage to um, obviously, um, you know, classrooms. And so I want to hear what you guys are talking to customers about and what you guys are installing when it comes to LED walls. Um, what are the things that people need to know before buying, obviously? There's obviously a lot of different things from uh, pixel pitch all the way up to whether it's a, it can take care of, whether it can be outdoors for weather, um, obviously temperatures and physical sizes. Um, what about purpose-built versus not, not, versus not purpose-built? 
Um, why don't we have a topic? Why don't we talk a little bit about that? Um, is that going to be you, Crystal? Well, actually, I just wanted to highlight that the the person behind Marco right now is building an LED wall. LED wall right there. We're live. <laughs> so, yeah. Getting a wall built. Yeah. yeah. Um, but usually for LED walls, it's, you know, like what you said, it's purpose built, right? It really depends on the, the clientele's. Um, for the, most of the projects that we do that, you know, that we provide LED walls, um, I know we there's one for, you know, emergency centers where they need to have multiple, um, you know, sources uh, live in front of them. So they use that. Uh, I know we've seen some in, in council chambers and uh, yeah, and, and not, not necessarily so much in the classroom because I don't think classroom setting, um, there's not a really a need for that. Um, but there's also um, commercialized buildings that, you know, that I've seen that they have large LED walls just for display purposes because of, you know, like we said, like the pixelation looks, it's a lot cleaner and just how it, just how it, um, it translate, you know, uh, live. It, it's just amazing to see. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, wanted to add there, you know, the, the one thing that the LED walls bring are the wow factor. Uh, mm -hmm. As you can see with, with what is behind Marco, um, you definitely want to plan for the space that you'll need for these things because they yes. are large. <laughs> uh, but also like something to consider is that like, you know, if you're putting up an LED wall and you're, you know, you're planning to, to use that as a backdrop for uh, like a production or anything like that, you want to test your cameras to make sure that, you know, that wall doesn't saturate the brightness of, uh, of the image and, where you're the person in front of it is just silhouetted and <laughs> you can't see any facial features. So um, <laughs> those kind of things to consider, but definitely the, the wow factor for led walls are, are a big plus. Uh, it allows you to be able to, you know, in a large scale um, present uh, content and uh, like what uh, Marla had talked about with uh, emergency operating centers, um, those are clients of ours where, you know, they will employ LED walls because they're able to, with that large uh, real estate, uh, look at a lot of the sources that they're needing to monitor on an emergency operating center situation. So those, those are pluses for what LED walls can do or bring into the table for AV. Sure. And of course... One of the things that I know about LED walls personally, of course, is that with regular LCDs, they're not very bright, right? So like if you have a monitor, uh, uh, just a regular, let's just say a 65-inch LCD TV set outside, they're not very bright. So that whole outdoor thing is very valuable for LEDs. Mm -hmm. So and, and on that subject matter, um, what do people need to know before they buy? Because people kind of understand TVs, right? They know they can go to the store, they can look at them, they can buy them, they can hang them. It's no big deal. But what are the gotchas with LED walls? I would say like the, uh, have a space for, for it first and uh, to really plan it out. Um, Cause it's, as you can see behind Marco, it's, it's, it's a lot of steps <laughs> in creating, you know, or in having, uh, to install these video walls. Um, but yeah, I mean, Crystal, do you have any experiences, with, especially with one of our emergency centers that we've done? Well, definitely. So with, with, with LED video walls, you want to consider power. Um, mm -hmm. some technology will allow you to be able to 
send power from a power supply that's not necessarily behind the wall. It could be in a machine rack somewhere and you have long cables coming in providing power. But then there's some LED walls like the ones behind Marco where you have to have certain outlets, you know, a number of them behind that wall to be able to just provide power to those LED panels. Right, right. And power is a huge thing. And so is yeah. heat. You have to think about HVAC as well. Yes. So, um, Marco, can you highlight a little bit about the HVAC situations? Well, uh, that's that's to be considered in the space where you're going to be uh, installing it. Um, we did uh, notice the heat generation out of this screen that we're installing over here. And it's also important to consider the structure behind the wall because there's about four layers uh, from the frame to the actual front of the screen. And that generates um, heat and it's also a lot of weight. Sure. So uh, those are things that are very important to consider. Marco, sure. how large is that video wall behind you? You know, uh, This one right here is a uh, seven by 12 and we're installing two of them. Wow. And it's, yeah, wow, that's pretty good. Now, what about outdoor? Um, what's your percentage of outdoor versus indoor walls? From my experience, we've done more indoor than outdoor right now. Wow. But I would think that there's more demand depending on the client to have outdoor displays. Outdoor displays, of course. Yeah, because you'll need to consider, con you know, enclosures just to sure. protect the technology from the elements. Sure. Security as well, because then, you know, you'll have some people who are just like, oh, I like one of those. <laughs> sure. So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, but I know... Um, Potentially, like mega churches, uh, you typically see those outside of the church, uh, outside of their uh, of their sanctuary. Um, even uh, outdoor uh, stadium arenas, you see them so often because of the fact that it's very distinct, even in outside uh, environments. Right. Exactly. It looks good. That's the yes. idea, right? So why don't we why don't we sh shift subjects a tiny bit and let's talk about interactive displays, okay? This is this is a still talking about displays, I guess, right? Um, this is one of the big things we've covered in our in our uh, top trends video, and we're seeing more of these displays being used, uh, especially in classrooms. Um, and um, the curriculums are getting used to it in schools because you've got a PC built in, and they can run their programs on the displays. Um, so, what are you guys seeing with the influx of these displays, and how are they going, and, and how have you guys have been installing them? Well, interactive displays plays uh, a very uh, gives a very positive uh, to the hybrid um, model because you know um, traditionally classrooms will have their whiteboards or even like older ones will have their chalkboards, and you know trying to trying to capture that those uh, images that are being drawn or uh, written on those boards like through a camera sometimes you'll 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 be against you know, against the light or something, you'll get a reflection <clears throat> off of those things. So digitizing that uh, feature with interactive boards helps to be able to convey the message to your far end participants. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of the technology like ClearTouch uh, will also integrate like, you know, your, your whiteboard type feel uh, with markers onto their displays. And, you know, you basically are able to capture that and send it without having to worry about, okay, is my camera placement good? You don't have to worry about that. It's just capturing the image as it is being written on the, on the surface. 
So yeah, they be they they're being they've been a big plus in in this uh, high high flex hybrid spaces. Great. And can you tell me some of the brands out there and and what people are, what different brands are doing? Uh, I, I've I've seen a lot of Clear Touch. Um, those come with uh, I believe they go up to like about eighty six inch uh, displays. They they uh, allow you to be able to put in a computer module behind uh, their displays and annotate above what is being displayed. So if you've got a PDF that you're presenting on, you can come in and highlight it and circle and, you know, even make, make, uh, make lines to emphasize what you're, what you're reviewing. Prometheus is another brand out there that I've seen. Um, there's, there's actually a lot of manufacturers out there that are creating these um, interactive displays. Wow, that's great. So basically you're saying the whiteboard is dead, the chalkboard is dead. This is the future. <laughs> yes, exactly. And you don't need to have a PTZ camera shooting it because that's the other problem, of course, is, you know, reflections, stuff like that. It's hard to see. So this thing is going to show up and then kids can log in remotely and they can see exactly what's going on. So this is, this is a, this is great. It's a, it's, it's the future for the classrooms basically. Yeah. Um, what about government? Have you guys been installing this in any government facilities? Yeah, we have a, um, a client down in Orange County that requested one of these interactive displays to be in their executive board um, chambers. And we wow. put it in a mobile cart so that it can be pulled and positioned uh, however they need. And it's the same kind of use. They're able to present their, their presentations on this board, be able to highlight it, interact with it. Uh, because there's a PC in it and it's a, you know, the display is basically like a 10 touch uh, points on the on the screen. You're able to use it as a touchscreen, so you can zoom in, zoom out, and you know flip pages or go to even web pages if you're presenting anything that's uh, that's that's over the web. Right, right, great. So staying on the staying on government, right? We'll stick with government for a minute. Um, I know you guys do a lot of government facilities. I mean, Kiko Media does a lot of government facilities, of course. Um, let's talk specifically about government for a couple seconds here and talking about managing council chamber upgrades right and this is a this is a big thing because people are starting to put in ptz cameras these displays kind of all the technology we've been talking about is being put into these um council meetings um council meeting spaces i should say so um the, the the key here is how does it all integrate with voting machines and how do we deal with meeting and agenda management and um, what are some of the flex space tools that they're using right now? Yeah, AV has been uh, instrumental for a lot of um, government spaces. Um, first off, you know, the, during COVID, there was uh, very much a lot of restriction from in-person type meetings. And the AV technology was able to provide that um, that way for people, for city governments to be able to meet still. Um, and with AV, you're able to integrate your voice over IP phones or even analog phones so that any if you have a hybrid meeting space where you have some of the council members, like for city governments that are present and some are over, you know, remote, when they're having a conversation on the microphone, you can hear them in the in the speakers in the room. They can introduce a caller in who might not be there present, but still participate in the meeting. And that allows them to have like, you know, a two-way conversation that will allow them to proceed with their 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 
their agendas. Um, and then also be able to, um, you know, do their voting and their um, talk about the issues of government. And uh, one of the things that um, AB does for, for, for government spaces like this is basically they're able to share to the public, to their constituents, um, the businesses of government that uh, concern citizens. So, Right. Sure. Of course. And that leads into um, the, the voting situation, the voting machines, um, you know, because we're moving kind of away from paper and more into electronic voting. Um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of all changed in the last couple of years, especially. So tell me a little bit about that and the voting machines aspect. Yeah. So there's a couple of the technologies that we've been deploying out there. Uh, one of them is called VoteLinks. And VoteLinks is a meeting management, uh, agenda management type of technology where it puts an interactive display on the seat of each council member in a council chambers. Uh, they're able to cast their votes on the display and also review documents that are over their you know, servers or uh, and look at the agenda items that are being discussed in any meeting that's happening within city council. Um, it will integrate with um, agenda management tools that are being used out there, like Agenda Quick, uh, and they're able to record their minutes as the meetings go by. So if there's a an item that needs to be voted on, council members are, are interacting with the displays in front of them, casting their votes, and all of those are being recorded in minutes that the city clerk can use to be able to keep in their records. So uh, wow. there's another technology out there by uh, Decentis by Bosch. Uh, th that is also a meeting management tool. It integrates microphones with touch panel displays in the on the base stations. So they're able also to cast votes and all of those are also recorded within a server for uh, record keeping. Wow, that's really great. So it's really changing the way things are done in government in terms yeah. of the voting situation, just local voting, not even like, not even like their town voting, but just in, in this chambers. Yes. Um, very cool. Okay. So <laughs> the last kind of big subject we've got to go, on over, go over today, of course, is equipment availability. Everybody's yawning about this one because <laughs> this has been a huge problem since COVID, of course. And so sometimes it can take like a year, maybe two years to get equipment. Sometimes you have to really pre-plan. Um, what are you guys seeing about this? What's the feedback you're getting from the clients um, in terms of equipment availability? Because sometimes, as we know, people are having to switch pieces of equipment with something else just because they had no choice. Well, definitely for um, for these this subject, it is really important to work with your integrators, right? Like we like Keycode Media, utilize the tools that you know, like Keycode has to be able to give you a forecast of what availability is like. You know, if you need to be able to plan six months ahead or one year ahead, just to make sure that the equipment that you need will be there, you know, work with your sales rep, work with their internal teams to be able to forecast and tell you that, oh, okay, this particular product is about 12 months out. And then at the same token, you can also ask them, I was like, okay, what's an alternative? What can I get, a, what can I use that is similar or, you know, the same as this one that's a year out, but it's readily available. And we'll be more than happy to be able to provide, you know, a plan A, plan B, plan C 
that will get you your project up and running and, you know, in time. Right, exactly. And then, of course, <laughs> one of the other problems is you get your piece of equipment and it doesn't work. I mean, I assume you guys have seen this too. People are, some manufacturers are rushing manufacturing and not doing a lot of testing. LED walls have a lot of components. And so you might get one little tiny component that fails on delivery. Uh, what are you guys seeing on that front? Well, definitely to, for that kind of situations, it's very important to be aware of what your warranty is like. Uh, more, most uh, vendors will provide advanced replacements for their products if it fails. And, you know, you, you want to take advantage of those kind of things. If, if, if something out of the box does not work, make sure you, you, know, you reach back out to the manufacturer. And, you know, Keycode will do that for you. We'll just, we'll reach out, we'll take care of the business and make sure that, you know, you get your product and you get your, your project up and running. Right. And, and of course, have some extra budget just in case, right? Have yes. a little bit extra money in the back end, just in case at the last minute, you got to switch to something entirely different because a lot of times people are buying stuff based on price, right? They're not, mm. they're not thinking about necessarily when it's going to show up initially when you first buy it, you don't know. Right. Mm. And so having a little bit of budget at the end is, is kind of important. Um, all right. Well, that kind of concludes these questions. Um, what we're going to do next is kind of open it up to um, the people who are logging in right now and asking us questions. We're going to start with John Mercer, who says, who asks, shall I say, for higher ed customers, including AVOP, um, there are significant performance bandwidth image quality differences between various options like Crestron, um, Liberty, QSC, and so on. Um, or is there uh, the selection generally based on ease of management with other AV ingredients? Um, what is the difference in quality, shall I say? Marlo, do you want to take that one? Yeah, sorry. Can you, re can you repeat that? There was a lot yeah, going so, on there. Yeah, sorry. Um, is there performance differences between the different options, between Crestron, um, Liberty QSC, um, these different brands? Does it? Okay. Um, the intention is not to bash anybody, so I'm not going to mention manufacturers. Um, sure. it just, it's just a variation on, um, I, I, I would just say variation on compatibility, um, and just based on experience with these products. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm an Extron, I'm an Extron guy. <laughs> so for me, um, I came from an Extron background, so I, I know the, the, the ins and outs and, you know, the compatibilities and so forth with the good and bad. So I know that firsthand. Um, uh, but when it comes to um, like Crestron, QSC, you know, it for the most part, um, those big manufacturers are pretty compatible with one another. Um, and for, Liber for Liberty, uh, I'm assuming there's some, you know, there's smaller um, equipments in the, for Liberty uh, manufacturers. And, you know, those, you know, it, it's, it's hard because Liberty is not really a big, um, is, is not really as, as big as Crestron and Extron. So I haven't really worked with, um, Liberty products, but it's a good alternative, I would say. And okay. for, for QSCs and Biamps, those are good. Those are awesome DSPs. So whether you go with Extron or, you know, Crestron with some, you know, amplifiers, speakers, or even so all microphones and such, you know, uh, QSC and Biamps are, are awesome. 
<laughs> gotcha. Well, and the other thing, of course, in terms of brands is, of course, image quality. What do you guys, have you guys been seeing image quality differences between the different brands? No, I mean, as far as image quality, everyone that's producing equipment right now has had some pretty good uh, results in their images. And I mean, uh, just to add to the last point, I think it's very important for higher education. Uh, one, of, one of the trends that I'm seeing a lot more now is that clients or end users are asking for proof of concept. Mm-hmm. And that's that becomes really valuable because, you know, it allows for end users to get their hands on the equipment. So for questions like image quality, for like, you know, audio quality, all that stuff, don't be shy to ask your reseller or your integrator, go, hey, can I test this out for a couple of days or a couple of weeks? We want to see how it performs in the network. We want to see what the image quality is. We want to see exactly. what the user experience is. So mm-hmm. that they can, they have confidence in committing to a design. Um, a lot of higher educations are going to be mostly uh, one particular product because they utilize whatever monitoring system that um, that that particular product have. Like Extron has their global scripter that allows them to be able to see each device in the campus, what the state of that device is, whether it's up and running or down or it's having issues with the network. And it helps their help desk to be able to address those issues to eliminate any kind of downtime for any of these hybrid classrooms that are being deployed or, even, right. you know, conference rooms. Right. And and that kind of leads me into another subject, um, which is, is it a lot easier to manage? I, I mean, it's, it's kind of a duh answer, but is it, <laughs> you know, more important than being able to see what the, the state of a device is at any given time? And, you know, if you're a, if you're a Cal State school or a UC school where you're dealing with hundreds of rooms, you know, you, your IT staff or your support staff is probably just a handful and you're, you're, you're not able to just deploy them and check each room. So having some kind of a, you know, a hub or a, a monitoring station to see what each classroom state is, is a big plus. Because yeah, then you big. can, you know, you, you don't have to wait for that teacher to call, hey, I can't work my projector or my display soon as you see a warning or a, an error message, send, you know, your help desk people over there to address it before even class starts. Right. And, and as we were talking about earlier in the, in the other video that started before this, um, having one guy manage everything, right? You don't have to have <laughs> a dozen IT guys on campus. And especially yeah. with schools where they can't afford to have that, right? They can't afford to have five IT guys on campus at all times. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it saves a lot of money and a lot of headache for people. Um, so, um, can you give a couple of examples where you've seen this in play at some of your school up North that we had done an install, um, they were an Extron house. So they utilize global scripter and we probably done about 70 classrooms with them now. And we, we, after each installation of a classroom, all these devices are put into that system and their help desk is able to see exactly what you know what the status of each of the equipment that's in the classroom uh, each classroom has a ptz camera for uh, video capture it's got a ceiling microphone that allows you to capture audio and then it's got the av presentation from extron that allows them to present their content from their pc or laptop or bring your own device so um, they're able to see the status of any any of those equipment, and 
not have to wait for a teacher to walk into the room to get ready for the class that's coming up to say that, oh, there's a problem with my display. You know, uh, the, sure. the help desk can see that ahead of time and be able to address it before before the call comes in. Marlo, do you have any uh, examples? Yeah, so like what Crystal mentioned, uh, the ones that we deployed with like almost 80 rooms, they they used the Extron control systems. And so with that, they use this um, management called global uh, GBE um, to manage, you know, just the monitoring monitoring of each devices, and it's and it's. I think what's what's unique about it too is is that it's user friendly, um, and it's not something that um, you know that is hard to do or hard to see, and also. It's it's just very, you know, you could do it from the office. You can monitor. You can monitor it like what Crystal said before the classroom even starts. And you know, and there's actually a, a way to to you know to not just have you know if it's just an IT guy, it, if it's just one person or two people, like they can do it from anywhere. Um, they could do it remotely even. So that's that's what's very uh so so user user friendly it is when it comes to the Exron control system that we deployed. Nice. It's very exciting, actually. It's, it's pretty cool. It's liberating, right? It's, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, okay, so next subject. This is <laughs> Dan from Colorado Springs says, um, what are you guys hearing about IP over, I'm sorry, AV over IP for DOD? I mean, this is, this is a big deal because of security problems, you know? Yeah, we had a uh, we had a client that was a, a financial institution, and that was the one thing that that was very they were very strict on. And uh, what's great is that you know companies like Crestron and Extron they they are very much into security, just like the end users. So so we were able to send a couple of the technology pieces over to the financial institution, and they reviewed it. It passed all of the certificates that it needed to pass, and for other items that uh, they saw that was a vulnerability, the manufacturer addressed it quickly and in a timely manner. Um, we reported back to Crestron that, hey, there's a concern about this, and they were able to address it and, and make sure that the, the end user was happy with the type of security that these pieces have. Uh, and that's, that's I think, a lot of the, the AV vendors are have that in mind. Uh, they, it's part of their checklist of, you know, before they put products to market, make sure that those features are there to be able to be used for like financial institutions or DOD. Okay. So it has happened and it does work. It's not like yes. this is something that's impossible to do. No, no. <laughs> and is there, is there a limited amount of brands that can do this? What was your feeling on that? Um, at, at least the big players in AV have, have addressed these issues. So they're, they're okay. pretty much up to par with what the standards are. Not quite sure about the, 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 um, the other brands. So there might be some that, um, have not yet addressed that issue. So it's definitely one of those things where you want to work with your integrator to make sure that it will pass what your security requirements are. And that's where, you know, demoing equi equipment comes in to be really handy because at least you can get into your facility, look what it's doing on your network, and then be able to address any vulnerabilities or concerns that you might have. 
Gotcha. Cool. Um, okay. So last question today, uh, Mike from Boston says, when putting together large conference rooms and, and lecture halls, especially, um, what are the considerations for having clean audio? I mean, obviously we know this is a huge problem because of echo and stuff like that. What, what do you guys feel about this? Well, the, take a look at the place for sure. Um, I see a lot of conference rooms there that has like glass windows and walls, and that becomes a challenge. But what's great is, you know, you utilize a technology like a, a DSP, like from QSE or Biamp. They have AEC built into their uh, to their equipment, so it for them to be able to allow go by frequency. Fight the challenges that some conference rooms will present to you. Um, so those things are built in within um, I, like a DSP that you put your analog microphones to, or even with the uh, ceiling array microphones that are offered by like Shure or Sennheiser. Those are built in there. So, you know, it, it allows you to be able to this, you know, not have to worry about those kind of challenges. Gotcha. Okay. So it's possible had some belts manufactured because they have good reserve awful. <laughs> uh, all right. Hey, unless you have any other want to say, I really think it's one a lot of great information. It's a cool street, Emily. It's a, it's industry. It's fun and getting better. So a lot of new books hitting them all the time. And um, so our team key commanding take your question about your next AV your project. Next. So uh, my name is Talat Purcell. Thanks for watching and hopefully we'll see you next time. Thanks for watching Broadcast to Post. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast to receive future episodes. Follow Keycode Media on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram to receive news on additional AV, broadcast, and post-production technology content. See you next time, folks.